Good evening. Let's go ahead. We will start here this evening. You're welcome to stand. You're welcome to sit. You're welcome to worship however you feel led. We're just going to worship our God this evening. We still have a couple of classes coming in, straggling in. We are privileged to have Janine McConaughey here with us this evening, and she's going to be bringing the word this evening. So let's just open up with a word of prayer. God, thank you for today. Thank you, Father, for who you are. And God, we're continuing to answer the call to follow after you with all of our hearts, God. We love you. desire this evening, God, Father, is our desire to honor you with all that we are, to wholeheartedly follow after you. As we're nearing down, Lord, the, the close of this year, Lord, Father, God, don't let that passion, Lord, Father, we ask that, you, that don't let that passion, Lord, Father, distinguish, but Father, we ask that you fan that into flame again tonight. We're here for you. Follow after you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise his name. You may be seated. Did you hear what he said? He said, the year is almost drawing to a close. <laughs> I thought there would be hallelujahs at that moment, you know. <laughs> it was a little less reaction than I expected. Okay. I have come tonight to just share with you. Sometimes I think that... Um, there's a perception that faculty have already made it on their journey and we're just in a place where we're we're now just imparting to you on your journey and um, for me um, that is not the truth I'm still on a journey I'm still learning I'm still growing um, I'm still being transformed by God I um, and I thought that I would just come and share kind of a little bit about my thoughts on my journey. So, I just started tweeting. <laughs> Jessica's clapping because she's my only follower. <laughs> That's pretty funny. I tweeted today that I was speaking in chapel. Jessica, Jessica found it. I, she's my follower. I'm so proud of that. Actually, actually, uh, I first launched a blog. Well, I actually created a website and then built a blog and then launched a Facebook page and then I started tweeting. And so tweeting kind of came at the very end of that. So. I'm learning about hashtags, and it occurred to me that follow me, that it was more than a hashtag, and that's what I'm going to talk about. Now, I really like tweets. 
I've been watching them. Just because I haven't tweeted doesn't mean that I haven't watched the tweets. Actually, I had another Twitter account, and I kind of watched people tweet on that one for a while. I watched for a long time. I didn't really understand that about myself until, until I watched my son grow up, and he watches and watches and watches, and then he just takes off right out the gate. So that I'm a watcher, so I've been watching. So, but I really like tweets because they're concise. They uh, express an emotion. They kind of condense everything down into this little tight, neat package. And um, I, when I decided that I was going to start my blog, which it's not moving. <laughs> the slides are not moving. Vic has left the building. You heard of Elvis leaving the building? There we go. Okay, he's with me. Okay, so this is, this is my blog, and actually, um, this is my website and blog, and I have cards, if you would like one at the end. If you want to friend my page on Facebook, I'm headed toward 300 likes, okay? I got 237 likes in less, not Dr. Like, but, <laughs> sorry, does that, all of a sudden I went like, and I looked at you, it just seemed odd. So, um... I, I got 237 likes in less than a week, and I was pretty, pretty impressed by that. So, but I'm headed toward 300, and if anybody help, wants to help me, Jessica will have my cards at the end, and you can go to my Facebook page. So, but I think the description of tweets also describes the Gospels. They're concise, and they highlight the most important events. The Gospels are a concise history of the most important events. Now stay with me here a moment. I do have a point about this, and it's crucial to our understanding of following Jesus. To what degree do the Gospels fully demonstrate what it meant for the disciples to follow Jesus? To what degree? Now I don't want to diminish God's word in any way, but I do want to make the point that we don't have the full picture. In other words, what we really have is like a tweet. Because so much more happened that we don't even know. When Jesus said, come follow me, I will make you fishers of men. What did that mean to them? What were they thinking was going to happen when they followed. What were you thinking was going to happen when you followed? Did you think it meant this? <laughs> A bunch of you are like, no, I did not know it was going to mean this. Okay, I think the disciples were the same way. On the next slide, there are word clouds. And if you're familiar with word clouds, you just dump all the words into a program online, and it decides what the most common words are and then it makes those words really big in the picture, and then the other words get smaller. So guess what? These, this was two versions of the word cl cloud created by the Gospels, and Jesus is prominent because the Gospels are about Jesus. So the Gospels are clearly about Jesus, but in our world of social media, we would probably reduce the story into a series of tweets with hashtags. 
So I'm going to lead you through some, and I just want to say that I found the most awesome, awesome free pictures to illustrate this. But you need to understand that if it was just the hashtag, you wouldn't have the pictures to illustrate it. So we're going to walk through a hashtag version of the Gospels. Jesus turns water into wine. Oh, I should have said hashtag, Jesus turns water into wine. Hashtag, blind man healed in my microphone. If I get on the other side, then my microphone, I won't turn the wrong way for it. Hashtag, 5,000 fed, food left over. Hashtag, shared Passover with Jesus. Hashtag, Judas betrayed Jesus. Sad day. I didn't put a picture there because I don't think they would even tweet that day, would they? They told the story, but it was just too sad of a day. Hashtag, tomb empty. Hashtag, Jesus is alive. Hashtag, I saw Jesus. So, then, if you take the pictures away and you just look at the list, it, wouldn't, it would be just kind of ridiculous, wouldn't it? Because the richness is gone, the backstory is vanished. Yet in a way, what we think of as a full description of the years Jesus spent with the disciples is really a summation of high points. If you read the Synoptic Gospels, and I'm not going to go into Q, Special L, or Special M, you see the writers in general, and regardless of what came first and who used what, they, they all agreed. It was about the same story. So I'm going to leave that for your Bible classes, but it, suffice it to say... It's complicated and yet very clear that the writers of the gospel were all telling the same story. Luke says this most amazing thing as he begins. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I, too, decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you've been taught. The fact is, there are events included in each that are not included in others, and we don't know it all. We don't know it all. How could we? How could we? Following Jesus involves so much more for the disciples then we can even begin to understand. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. What he could have said, what he could have said is, follow me and as I teach you, I will raise people from the dead. I will provide food where there was, where none existed. I will walk on water. I'll calm the storm. I'll fill nets with fish where there were none to be found. Can you imagine the description he would have had to say? if he said everything that he was going to do. So he just said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Well, you get the idea. There's so much more. In fact, John ends the gospel by saying, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. We don't even think about that, really. Imagine getting up every day, imagine getting up every single day, opening your eyes, and there you were with Jesus. 
Imagine it. Wonder what he's going to do today. Yesterday, he did this. I wonder what he's going to do today. Think of it. We are amazed by what we do know, but it's only a hashtag. The disciples lived in the extraordinary. They came to expect the unexpected. They woke up every day wondering. But they also came to a very solid understanding of the fact that for Jesus, nothing was impossible. Nothing, nothing was impossible. Even though they didn't really get it most of the time, they hung on to his every word and did their best, though in humanly faltering ways, to do everything that he asked. I'm going to read a devotional. A friend of mine, pastor, a friend, um, Hunter Sherman, I get his devotionals every day. It's part of my journey, is that I read his devotionals every day. And as I was working on this, up popped one, God, I don't know, could be. Anyway, up popped one that just fit it perfectly. So I'm going to take a second, and I'm going to, well, it's going to take more than a second, but I'm going to read it to you. It starts out talking about the preparation for the Passover. On the first day of the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? the Passover. We ask that sometimes, don't we? Jesus, where do you want us to go? And so there they were asking the same questions. So he sent two of his disciples telling them, go into the city and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Say to the owner of the house he enters. The teacher asks, where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large upper room furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. The disciples left went to the city and found things just, listen to it, just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. Basically, the disciples asked, where do you want us to go? In his answer, Jesus gives instructions. Now, these instructions are very, very clear, but they don't give us any of the information that we would want to know if we were going to try to go find a room in a city, right? So he's very specific, and yet very unclear and clear at the same time. The two disciples were told when they entered the city of Jerusalem, they would be met by a man carrying a jar of water. This is unusual because ordinarily a woman or a girl would be doing this. With this sign, the disciples will experience no difficulty in finding the individual. He instructs them to follow this man into whatever house he enters. It's clear the man is to be, that is to be followed is not the owner. He may be a servant. It's not necessary to try to figure out who the owner of this home really is. All we really know is he must have been a disciple of Jesus. The two disciples must say to the owner, the teacher asks, where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? It was in the practice in Israel, if anyone had a room during this time and someone needed it in order to be able to have the Passover, then they, they would give, let them use the room. So... As one of Christ's followers, the man was willing to do that. So here's the summary. The disciples found everything as Jesus had told them. They never knew what a day with Jesus would bring, but they were learning each step was guided by God's will. The disciples were discovering this kind of personal, daily walk with God 
that it had some very exciting dimensions to it. No job could be too difficult, no place too far. We today have the same experience. Remember I said, what would it be like if you got up and walked with Jesus every day? Okay, I was kind of leading you down a path, because we do. We actually do. We must trust God with the future, realizing whatever it is, he will be with us. For our part, we must be, this is where I stopped when I read the devotional, flexible, responsive, and ready to follow. Flexible, responsive, and ready to follow. It caught my attention because I had been thinking about how following Jesus often involves listening for his prompting in the midst of common daily occurrences. And twice um, in the past few months, I have come to the realization that if I'm, if I'm really listening, if I'm really listening, if I'm flexible, responsive, etc., that that Jesus is prompting me to, for things every single day. I'm walking with Jesus every single day, and he will prompt me every single day. If we aren't in tune to the voice of Jesus, we might say, wow, that just really doesn't make any sense. Why would I look for a man with a water jar? Or we might miss the prompting entirely and thus miss the great things that God has for us. Or we could simply not follow the directions, and we would never find out that he was working everything out ahead of us. Tonight, and I say there were two examples, um, and tonight I have a real NBC example of what we can miss if we're not listening to the prompting or instructions of Jesus. So, to give you a little background on this, uh, at college where I taught before I came to NBC, I had two um, ladies who were my colleagues, and they were screen trainers, screeners, there we go. They were, <laughs> one time, one time when I was speaking in chapel, I said, I said that the, the mice, uh, the mice, I can't even say it now, they, they did something ridiculous, okay? So you never know. Just like you never know what Jesus is going to do, you never know what I'm going to say. So, let me start that over. They, and if you've been in class with me, you know that that's the truth. <laughs> They're laughing because they know that is the absolute truth, that sometimes I just come out with the most bizarre things. So, um, anyway, these two ladies were screeners for Erlen uh, Syndrome. And... Uh, and though I did not go through the training, I gleaned enough from their expertise that I began to recognize people who had reading difficulties because of this very specific Erlen syndrome. And I'm going to read you the definition off the website, and it's not going to make any sense to you, but it'll make more sense to you in a minute. And um, the Erlen syndrome is a type of perceptual problem that appears to be caused by a defect in one of the visual pathways that carries messages from the eye to the brain. In other words, what, the, what you should see on the page is not what you see. It is not what your brain sees. And so the second part of the story is I was sitting on the panel for a ministry progress review interview. And Derek Bain was um, sitting and we were asking him questions and he was answering. And I was the record keeper. So I was just kind of kicking back in the chair and taking notes and... And, and Derek said something, and all of a sudden, it was like, 
Jesus just pushed me. The Holy Spirit said, would you listen? <laughs> I mean, does God ever say that to you? Are you? Would you wake up and listen? You're not paying attention. And, and Derek will tell you that I suddenly, I just sat straight up and I said, Derek, repeat what you just said. I need to hear what you just said. And so he said that he had always had reading problems and so forth. And I said, oh, you need to come and talk to me. Come to my office. So I'm actually going to have Derek come up and tell a little bit of his story. Because it's so important um, for you to realize that sometimes there may be a problem that isn't really a problem. You just don't have all the information you need. Derek. Good evening, everybody. I'm Derek Bain. Um, <clears throat> so I've had difficulty reading since I started learning how to read. Um, it used to frustrate my family quite a bit, and they'd constantly send me to the optometrist uh, several times a year between my parents and my grandparents. Um, and I always got 20-20 vision, so it just frustrated them more that I had difficulty reading. Um, they even got me a pair of reading glasses, not that it actually helped. Um, by the time I got to the third grade, I stopped doing homework altogether. Uh, just I couldn't comprehend what I was reading, couldn't retain what I was reading. So I just quit doing homework. Um, by the time I got to fifth grade, they, put, they thought I might have been mentally disabled and put me for a very short while into a uh, special education class. Um, it wasn't the best time of my life there. <laughs> Um, by the time I got to eighth grade, I figured out that you could still graduate school with uh, at least two F's and three D's. And so that's all the effort I put forth into my education. And uh, upon graduating, even though I got better scores than that, <laughs> I went into the military uh, to avoid education further. Um, unfortunately, in order to get promoted in the military, you have to have education. Um, and so I always sat next to the smart people to help me through. Uh, luckily for me, the military cares more about your physical attributes and your charisma more than your education scores. Um, coming here was a huge leap getting out of the military, um, knowing that if I was going to be successful in life, I'd have to get a decent education. And uh, I, I was really worried what that was going to entail. Um, as far as what I'm gonna, you know, what I'm gonna do to make it through, and um, it was during our progress review that um, Dr. McConaughey really understood, or you know, had a good idea of what might have been happening, and she sent me to a specialist. Uh, what I found out at the specialist is that Erlen syndrome has two major effects. The first effect is a physical effect where it cause, can cause. Um, short attention span, uh, overexhaustion, uh, migraines, motion sickness, things like that. Uh, the other effect is comprehension, reading, uh, interpreting, and stuff like that. And what happens is light, as we see, um, has several different spectrums when you break it up. And those certain colors within the spectrum in, uh, interfere with what your brain's trying to interpret. So your brain uses way more um, of its ability than it has to 
trying to interpret the simplest information and just causes you to get exhausted and you can only focus very minutely on what you're actually uh, reading or paying attention to. Um, so I go to the specialist and find out that, you know, I'm not actually going to be doing reading and that was my biggest fear. I'm going to go to a specialist, read a few paragraphs and they're going to be like, oh, you don't qualify. Um, just like everything else in my life, oh, you're okay. Um, but she didn't. She actually had me look at different pictures under fluorescent lighting like you would in a classroom or, or an office. And she just asked me to explain what I saw. And I told her, you know, I can see the word that I'm looking at. Beyond that, it's just kind of confusing because words for fade in and out. And, you know, she said, well, we'll describe that more. And she had me focus on the things that I never focused on before, the bigger picture. Um, everything around the word I was looking at was fading in and out because there was color reflecting off the page that I could see, kind of like rainbows floating around or, you know, rain falling on a page and scattering everything out. And they just fade in and out, they float, they dance, they move. And it's just one word at a time, I could only focus. So we started with a color overlay that, that helped, um, helped with my syndrome because we're not really sure each person's different has a different effect of what colors affect you. So once we got the color, we laid it down. I mean, instantly I could see six words out and I could read so much easier, so much faster. And I remember what I was reading. It was incredible. Um, and then we moved on to the next stage and I got these awesome cool glasses on my face now. <laughs> and, and, and you get that. I, I, I walk around, people are like, those are some crazy shades. Oh, those are some great shades, you know, and shades, shades, shades. And they're not shades, they're reading glasses. But what I didn't know walking in and what really is amazing now is what I went for was for reading. And what I got out of it was a whole new perspective of what I'm seeing. Um, I don't wear them all the time. But when I do wear them, I get a whole new view of everything. Um, color is very more fully enriched. Um, I got depth perception, depth perception extremely well. I didn't even know you could have depth perception to the degree I have. I can see the small, minute details. Um, you know, I don't get tired. My wife can attest. By the time I got through my third paragraph, I'd be yawning and trying to stay awake. Didn't matter what time of the day. And now I can flip page through page through page, and it's incredible. Um, it's just, it's neat what what happens when you you put it for or you find the right answer, and you realize, you know, how much more there is to the overall picture of things. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. <laughs> Thank you, Derek. Okay, he's my miracle. He's my miracle that I brought in. Okay, I brought a miracle with me tonight. You know what? I thought I thought I can't I can't even express this miracle. I need Derek to get up and express this miracle. So he's not the only student I found. I had an online student that uh, she's a Salvation Army officer, and she had to write her sermon notes on yellow paper because she couldn't see the words unless she wrote them on yellow paper. And so, um, and, and this is not that well known, even in the field of education, which I'm, you know, part of. I, I don't know. It's, and so, um, but uh, 
There was another miracle with God's prompting with Jessica, and I didn't have her, I just stuck with Derek this time. But there's miracles that take place every single day if we listen. If we listen, how does an ordinary day of preparing the Passover turn into a tweet-worthy day? It's because you listen to Jesus. That's how it happens. Because Jesus told them what to do. It didn't make sense that they followed his directions. They probably didn't even stop to question him at that point because they'd argued enough about there not being enough money to feed the multitudes. There were no fish in the lake. They didn't do any good to go to Bethany because Lazarus was dead. They'd argued with him about all those things that they thought were impossible, and they were not impossible. I, I'm, I'm so excited that Derek is going to be able to enjoy the rest of his college career instead of suffering through it like he's been. I am just so excited. Um, it doesn't have to make sense to us. Uh, because we use our own logical reasoning powers alone, we underestimate what Jesus intended for our lives, the richness, the miracles, the power. As Wesleyans, we believe in the Wesleyan quadrilateral. If you look up images for this, you'll find a variety of pictorial representations. This is the one I like best because it shows the scripture as the foundation, but reason, tradition, and experience is prominent. And this, uh, it all plays into listening to Jesus. This prevents us from relying only on traditions, only on reason, or only on experience. They should all inform us how to recognize the voice of Jesus. We just need to keep ourselves from putting his voice in a small box of what we think is reasonable. The disciples had to learn that Jesus was not limited by what they believed was possible. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me, he will do the works I have been doing, and they will do them even, great, even greater things than these. Because I'm going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. As I prepared for this, I asked myself, do I believe that when I get up in the morning? Do I believe that when I walk with Jesus that I could see a miracle? It's just so easy to live in the ordinary and to miss out on the extraordinary life that Jesus intended for us. When Jesus says, follow me, it should not be ordinary. You just never know what Jesus might ask you to do. In the past two years, I've become a dreamer. I've always been a dreamer. But even more so, because I have seen what can happen in lives if we just will listen. You never know what Jesus might ask you to do and how doing what he asks may change lives, both yours and those around you. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you. I thank you that you sent Jesus that he walks alongside of us. He walks with us. And that, that we can live in the extraordinary because we walk with Jesus every day. 
I pray that you would help us not to just depend on our reason, but to believe um, in things that seem impossible. I know that that day that I, that I talked to Derek for the first time, that if I had said, Derek, you can read fluently, you can, you can read six words at a time, you can read without getting a headache, you can, you can just read books and not get tired, he would have thought that that was impossible. But it wasn't. Thank you for using me. Thank you for prompting me. Thank you for, thank you for telling me to sit up and listen to him. Because tonight we've seen the evidence of the extraordinary. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You are dismissed.